How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, and I'm joined by my good friend, as always, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's going really well, Riley. I burned, like, all my skin off today. All of it? I still see Basically. a little. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you do? Well, I uh, was working out in the blazing sun in the heat of a Columbus August. and Notorious uh, going... Columbus August. The notorious Columbus, Ohio, August, um, going door to door doing the uh, the census stuff, which yeah. I'm, I'm having a good time doing, but uh, it just gets absolutely disgustingly hot. And <laughs> they do have like an evening hour, but during that time, I'm usually you know with Anne or or doing something uh, you know Pokemon related, and so I wish I could go out more in the evenings, but uh, you know I'm I'm stuck doing it during the day so i just get absolutely burnt to a crisp my neck is destroyed i don't oh. think i'll have a neck after this is done um yeah so it's been it's been fun how about you riley you know i've been doing well i've been doing well it's a very busy time for me i'm in the midst of of really a really in-depth project and i'm really in the weeds right now but it's it's been fun and engaging um yeah speaking of the heat i I don't know if you have the right to complain about the Columbus August. I had a the uh, right? my my best friend in college. He uh, he moved to Arizona for grad school, and yeah. his car just straight up overheated and died. It is totaled. <laughs> Yo, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, so you had to buy a new car. Oh, get wrecked. I know. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. he have insurance for it? Does I, insurance I, cover heat? I don't know if insurance covered it or not. I mean. He was fine. He was, it was like an old, oldish car, but still, it just overheated sure. and, and was dead. Well, one time, I, one time that actually happened to me going to a Pokemon tournament. Have I ever told you this story? I don't think so. Okay, so we were going to a Pokemon tournament in Canada, and I, you know, grew up in Michigan and knew, you know, a couple guys from Michigan. So we were going to start and drive through my hometown of Port Huron to go into Canada, to go to Toronto for regionals. And yeah. we're on the bridge and the car that we're in just starts to like, you know, <laughs> really starts working, you know? Uh, and we're like, okay, it's a little interesting. And we're sitting on the bridge because you have to, of course, go through customs uh -huh. and, you know, they, they ask you a few questions, make sure you're, you know, not a terrorist or anything like that or carrying <laughs> anything illegal into the country. Yep. And we are... You know, he's 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 we're, we're, we're paused. We're, we're breaking on the on the bridge, and then we start to get going again. And it's just working really hard. The car just can't quite keep up, and then it just dies right there in the middle of the bridge. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so we had to like push it to the customs area, <laughs> and it turns out like one of the fans was dead so the the engine oh, was geez. overheating so it was like only half capacity of uh a fan right so it was only getting half the amount of air that it needed to to function and it was abysmal we actually had his dad who lived in you know the the town that we crossed over into canada he came with like the backup car oh. and then drove the other car back home and like he was so furious so we took the backup car we ended up getting there fine but it was like another like two hours of just like sitting and waiting you know for for our backup car to come and 
It was really funny. I think I can one up, one up you on that one. Uh, do you do you know the Memphis story? Yeah, with your big car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of on the way home. Yeah, so I'll tell it for the listeners. Um, so this is Memphis. What is that? Twenty eighteen? It was twenty eighteen. Yeah, because I was yeah. still living in Columbus. Um, and every background, I was already frustrated like heading to this tournament because I got yeah. canceled on by like three different people. So I had this like relatively expensive Airbnb that was split between two people. Um, thankfully my second patron adler pierce was like very was good about it he was like very willing to accommodate like the increase in price and actually it was like super nice and we had great conditions for two people yeah. <laughs> so i guess it was fine um yeah. and then in in retrospect i realized how much i value like comfort when i'm traveling and then i'm willing to pay more to be comfortable um but uh anyway so we drive down with my old large car it was the yukon xl from 2005 um mm-hmm magnificent beast of a car really it was a behemoth it was large it was in charge no one would mess with it um but it was old and um i had just taken it to the mechanic the day before we went to memphis i you know they fixed some things up it was making some noise the noise went away and so i was feeling pretty good uh and memphis is a it was just like a sizable drive from uh columbus it was like nine to ten hours um so, you know, we're down in Memphis. Tournament goes horrible for me. Um, it goes fine for Adler. He gets, like, top 32 or top 64 or something. Uh, sure. We played the same 60, but I had a much less uh, sustainable day than he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, all well and good, though. Um, yeah. And we start heading back home after after he finishes and gets his, like, packs or whatever. Um and the car is like making some noise, but it's like, you know, this car makes noise, it's old. I'm used to it at this point. Um, yeah. So I kept on driving and we make it to, Kentu- we make it midway through Kentucky and the car is just really like hanging on for dear life. Um, and I can tell that something isn't quite right. Uh, yeah. But I think I was still under the impression that we could make it because we were still we sure, were only yeah. like two hours away because we had like right, a, you're kind of we had like a half hour kinda... left of Kentucky and then like the hour and a half from Cincinnati to Columbus. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe two and a half hours. I guess it would be a little bit longer. Um, yeah, but you know we're getting like right we're right by the bridge between Cincinnati and Kentucky that connects the states. Um, yeah, and I realized the car is getting incredibly difficult to drive. Um, yes <laughs> and so it's uh it's like steering it is very challenging uh because and what i realized in retrospect was the power steering was no longer working um so if you're not a car person like cars have like mechanisms that make it easier to steer because you don't real you don't realize it when you're steering a car but you're steering a really large heavy object <laughs> right <laughs> and so there's assistive mechanisms there uh when right. that mechanism doesn't work it, you realize that you're steering a very large, heavy object with all of your physical might. <laughs> and so I realize that this is wrong and I use all of my physical might to turn the car off of the road and into the, into the nearest exit. Uh, the car just comes to a sliding stop and that is the end of the car. Um, <laughs> we're just, we're about 15 minutes from the bridge to Cincinnati and then another 15 minutes from my childhood home. And then from there an hour and a half from, 
uh, sure. from Columbus from, where we live. Yep. And Adler yep. has like a final the next day or something. And so I'm like really worried about yeah. getting him home. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank right, because it's your because the blood is on your hands essentially. Yeah. right? it's your car and yeah, your he, responsibility. <laughs> he had basically just like passed out in the back seat, um, I, just like laying across all the seats and just chilled for a while. I'm like yeah. on the curb, like crying, like calling AAA. <laughs> like I just want to go home at this point. <laughs> like I'm just miserable. The whole tournament was bad. I just want to go home. Yeah. Uh, about three hours later, and midway through this whole experience, some very under the influence man drives by on a motorcycle um and hit the mirror falls off his motorcycle and he just drives away uh he like got off the motorcycle checked in with us we're like we're fine and then uh -huh. he drives away and his mirror fell off and he didn't come back to get it that seems incredibly unsafe it was so funny though so i took the mirror and just put it in the center console of the car which i think it still is in there um, yeah <laughs> but uh yeah, I'm just miserable. Uh, the AAA guy eventually comes and he starts talking to us about like his uh, his experience with women. Um, yeah, which really I didn't want to talk about that at 3 a.m. <laughs> but you know, so it goes. We get back to my parents' house. I take one of their other cars um, back to Columbus, and I think they actually got it fixed up. Um, what had happened sure. was the uh, like the the hose for the coolant had like become detached. Uh, yep. So the engine had overheated, which also deactivated the power steering. Uh, yep. So unlucky That's for sure. Absurd. It was, it was just ridiculous. That whole Memphis experience was just truly awful uh, from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. I hate to see it for sure. But it was, it's a fond memory, you know, it's one of those things where it's really bad in the moment, but you can respect like and laugh at it looking back uh, yeah yeah because i you know everyone has that moment yeah i feel like where it's like nothing could have gone any better or like nothing could have gone any worse i guess yeah. in, in that sense so um and you just have to just smile and brush it off and yeah that's funny <laughs> yeah but you know we keep on trucking um you yourself had a tournament this weekend and it wasn't nearly as unsuccessful as my memphis run yeah yeah i was i was pretty happy with the results so i was playing in the atlas collectibles pokemon online gaming championships this global last weekend i think is the oh pokemon online global that's right i keep saying gaming it's global okay gamer um, but that's true that's true i had a really overall good you know positive time um i will you know, get into some of the criticisms. I, you know, nothing, nothing, I'm not bashing the tournament. I want to just be upfront and say that I am very thankful that there are people in our community that devote the time that they do to helping us have an online experience because yeah. I know it can be very challenging and I know it can be very unrewarding. And I know that people can be very, um, you know, unforgiving with some of the language that they use around these tournaments, and they can be very harsh in their criticisms. And I hope that that is not what I am presenting. I hope what I'm presenting is just a very, like, um, you know, unbiased uh, evaluation of my experience in the tournament. So um, it was very fun. I, you know, we'll, we'll start just doing a, a very brief, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but just like a very brief for those of you that, um, you know, don't follow me on YouTube where I, I posted a video about this, but um, 
what I played. So I went in with a Vigavolt deck, and my thought there was just to, in this, especially in this blind metagame, I wanted to have like as much control over games as I possibly could, where um, I would try to take control of the game and try to just maximize the opportunities to outplay my opponent. Um, because we're looking at a format right now that is particularly fast. It's it's maybe faster than any of the other formats that I maybe have ever played when you're talking about cards like ADP that can, you know, reduce the amount of attacks that you have to use, or you look at, you know, two and three prize Pokemon being just the norm. And so the game is extremely fast right now. And so and just trying for the, to, for the listeners who might not be as familiar with the Pog championship, can you remind us of the format? Oh, oh yes. It was, it was standard format, but pre rotation. So ultra prism to darkness of blaze. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I wanted a deck that really kind of slowed the format down in a sense and um, slowed the games down. And I found that with Vikavolt, and I'd been testing that the whole week prior on uh, my own and on Twitch. And I was just finding, like, of all the decks that I tried, it just seemed to maybe fit my fit my style. Like, it, it seemed to work well with me and it had the best winning percentage. So I was like, okay, I tell this to all the people that I coach as well, like trust your results. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this was a really important um, tournament for me to, to do just that. You know, I had the best winning percentage with Vikavolt on the ladder um, and just with my own testing. And um, so I trusted my results from the testing and went into the, the tournament, you know, feeling very good about it. And yeah. so day one was pretty solid. I, you know, went seven and two to make, on to day two and then in day two i maybe didn't do quite as well but like all the games were extremely close and i faced uh, the, the biggest like regret i guess was facing a couple vikavolt mirrors that had some text for the mirror that i didn't have so i took two losses to the same exact list where they had um just more healing options and more gusting options and it made it really difficult but um still you know kind of came down to that last turn in both of those matches but mm -hmm. uh day two went five and four so overall again i i felt really good about the deck placed 67th overall and you know felt like i i achieved something and, and had a good time awesome yeah vehicle definitely a, a solid choice i think was it one vehicle in the top eight there was one that made i think third yeah so there's a vehicle up there in the top eight. And then there was also uh, the eventual winner of the tournament, the Pikram deck, played two vehicle, really leaning into that option for the lightning type archetypes. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, um, you know, maybe in retrospect, like some type of Pikram based vehicle build or vehicle based Pikram build would have been. <laughs> Uh, you know, obviously the play, I mean, it, it performed, you know, it not only won, but it had something like nine spots in the top 24 or something ridiculous like that. So just really was a dominating force in the POG championships. Yeah. So let's dive in then into what we saw as we got further up in the ranks uh, in the top 16, top eight, uh, and eventual finals of this tournament. So... Uh, like you said, the, the Picaram archetype really continued to see success. I, I don't think that is overtly a surprise to anyone. Um, right. Picaram has continued to be a powerful deck. It really didn't lose anything going into this format besides maybe having another 
VMAX deck that can keep up with it. Um, but really, when we look at with the cross-section of the metagame, like, Picaron was actually in a pretty good spot, especially in that day two meta, um, where if we consider these, if we consider like a turn to this a bad matchup, if it even is. Um, sure. You know, the majority of the meta seemed very skewed to me in day two, especially as you got towards the end of the day, towards ADP decks. Um, it seemed like that was just overall the favorite choice of the day two metagame. And Picaron really has continued to do fine in that matchup. Um, certainly hasn't lost anything in the matchup and can come out of the gate swinging um as right. well as just having a generally good matchup spread so i mean what can we add that hasn't already been said by ourselves yeah. about about Pete yeah, right. you know people <laughs> right. didn't lose anything it just gained a new tool which i yeah. mean i feel like i feel like we say that every set like <laughs> Pikaram, you know it's already good it got a new tool to add to its arsenal and it'll continue to be good um, right. So right. No we surprise. definitely said that, you know, I, I remember with Boltund, you know, and then and then people started including, you know, two Boltund in their peak around I mean, list. Even and further back, we had the Coco V. Uh, oh, sure. The Coco V. Yeah. And then that got replaced yep. by Boltund. And now we have Vikavol. Like, there's just always some I guess new, like, well, new addition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's a very strong that i mean we don't need to uh, go over it again but um just yeah you you saw the strength in it and and obviously vigavolt being that trainer lock option that uh that no other deck besides just a stray vigavolt has i mean it was very powerful and kind of getting setting up because we talk about pikaram like it's one kind of weakness that's kind of um hidden with the electro powers uh is the damage output like it, it kind of struggles in a sense to get those big numbers, but then you have something like a Vika Volt that can just come in and do a little chip damage, item lock the opponent, and uh, kind of swing the tempo of the game for you. So a really cool, you know, inclusion for a lot of Pikaram decks that uh, performed really well this weekend. Yeah. So and just like Pikaram, I don't think we need to talk anymore about ADP. We've seen <laughs> ADP to continue success. The deck really hasn't changed much at all, um, besides maybe having a slight larger emphasis on the turn one um yeah at this point in the meta because it's so fast um so i think the archetypes that i'm most interested in talking about personally um i do want to call out i don't i don't have a lot to say about this deck <laughs> but i do want to call it extra drill uh ended up getting top 16 which was super cool um i think extra drill was the first deck to qualify through the first day as well went like 7-0 <laughs> absurd how many peaker arms did it face to get there <laughs> right right but uh that's super sick uh the two decks that i'm most interested in talking about though are mewtwo coming back from the dead uh got not even really from the dead but you know rising to prominence once again getting fourth place and bubbling out of top eight um and then i also would like to talk about sanders mill archetype uh, and yes. i also want to rub in your face that i thought mill would be a good option and i said it last week and you kind of shot me down on that well yeah, I I mean, to be fair, I although I will push back and say, did you think that Mill in the form of Sanders deck list would be what would have been played? Because I, mean, I would it's say not, it's actually not that far off. No, really? OK, because I would say that Sanders list is just absurdly complicated and not kind of not the not the mill that we've come to know and love in the form of like Mag Cargo and uh, Aranguru. It's just very different. It's it's very fresh. Yeah, I think the the main things that I wasn't really 
privy to um was the del caddy i i want to say it's like the main thing that i wasn't really on to um sure and that was i mean that was huge and that was instrumental he also had the mr mime that i was never even considering but uh i don't know i never saw that mr mime do anything on stream so i can't attest like what it was yeah for. I, don't, I don't know i guess it was, i mean i think it was just for like uh adp right because then if they gx attack and they don't have like a secondary attacker then it's you just even. block them out of the game essentially so um but yeah i mean scoop up net obviously opens up a lot of new possibilities that i don't think were really that explored by many mill players and um to see sander once again um you know play this just absurdly intricate mill deck that that really uh, capitalizes on a lot of these new um these new tools that it has it, it is really impressive and, and i just give a lot of uh, a lot of compliments to him and i wish that he would have been able to win that first game and you know take home the crown because i think we see something like this this is like uh the, the perfect example yeah. of this is a perfect example of of a great player taking a deck that they know inside and out to a high finish and um not that you know, that's that's no hate on, on his opponent in finals, but um, just that, you know, Sander knows these style decks, has put a lot of time into that, and it just is paying off. You know, it, it certainly paid off in this tournament. Yeah, and I mean, this is a classic example of, um, like, the fatal flaw of mill decks in large events is that the time limit really plays against them. Um, not yeah. because they can't, not because they can't mill in time or finish in time, but they're if they happen to drop a game, they're the ones who suffer as a result. Um, yeah. There's just not a lot they can do when they're put in the situation um, where it's a game three and time is low because uh, their opponent yeah. has to be ahead on prizes. You know, they don't have to reach a, reach, reach a win condition. So we hit this game three sure. scenario, uh, for those of you who are watching, where... Sandra had realistically removed all of Isaiah's options to win. And he had like everything that he needed locked up. The board was set up for him, but it didn't matter. Like Isaiah had already taken, I think one or two prizes. Um, the Articuno option for him to like knock things out with it wasn't really available to him. So, I mean, Sandra just kind of lost and you know, that's just the unfortunate reality of these mill style decks. And uh, yeah. And, and definitely is like the, the gatekeep, on the deck, you know, I mean, there's there's a high skill cap. If you look at his list, it has somewhere in the realm of like 20 one ofs. So already with the <laughs> deck list, you know, you, you, you give this to a new player and they're just gonna be scratching their head at like what the optimal routing is. But then, yeah, also having to manage time, uh, it it makes it for, you know, it, it just, it's gonna be a long term if you decide to play a deck like this. And um, yeah, again, to see someone perform as well as he has over the course of a whole season with these cards is really exciting. I am curious to, to know like what a mill player who at least, you know, for this season and, and other seasons in the past has made kind of a reputation on mill uh, install uh, what they decide to do in, in the post rotation format. That'll, that'll be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, Sanders really gone multiple seasons now uh, leaning into these stall archetypes. And I think the, uh, it's lost a lot of tools. If stall exists heading forward, I don't know what it looks like. Um, yeah. And that's coming from someone who maybe not as to the level of Sander, but definitely I am a, a connoisseur of the arts. Um, 
<laughs> and I, I have no idea what <laughs> the it dark looks arts. like. I have no idea what it looks like going forward. Yeah. But, San, but Sander is truly, <laughs> sure, he's sure. mastered these decks. So much props to him. He, he deserves every one of the finishes that he's gotten and probably more. Um, you know, he's really carved that niche for himself really well. Um, and I, yeah. I say that his his concept was close to the one I was working with, but he really pushed it over the edge with the inclusion of Delcaddy. Um, he always manages to find those little extra tools. He builds his deck in a very unique way. Um, so I, I cannot give enough praise to to Sander. And, and praise to Isaiah as well. He's had a very successful season. Um, wrapping it up with a, a dub for Picaram is very impressive. Um, so it was really a star-studded finals there. It was really cool to see. Absolutely. I, I do want to talk loop back to Mewtwo, though. So Mewtwo was something that we didn't put really a lot of stock into, um, both of us. You know, I don't really get to hold this one over your head, unfortunately. Uh, and it yeah, saw right. a fair amount of success. Uh, so, yeah. and to be honest, I look at the yes. list and it's still a little hard for me to like parse out exactly what made it so good. I think it, it came down to like a good ADP matchup more than anything, it is my impression. Sure. Um, I don't know if that's the same impression you got. Um, yeah, I mean, well, you're looking at you're looking at ADP decks not have a way to hit 270, yep. <laughs> and and so and you know they're they're maxing out at 260 because yeah, exactly. And so you know Mewtwo is kind of just just blowing through your initial setup in the ADP and then not even getting response KO'd in return. So yeah, I mean Mewtwo that would be the primary reason. I still don't know that I would have ever thought of like. Mewtwo and Mew being a good play for this tournament. But yeah, I mean, when you look at how much ADP was played, which it was like double in day two, the next highest played deck, um, you know, you can certainly see how a player that did play Mewtwo, um, you know, if they hit a lot of ADP would be pretty successful. I think I think Mewtwo is probably also fine against Peeper. Um, I at least can hold its own. Um, sure. You know, I think it struggles more so against the VMAX decks where the 300 is no yeah. longer enough. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, Dragapult wasn't really a factor, but Dragapult basically killed Mewtwo off for, a, you know, a quarter. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. And so Dragapult's decline was also to Mewtwo's benefit. Um, I, I don't yeah. see how the deck like sustains itself against things like Eternatus, but Eternatus really wasn't that favorite of a deck it seemed like in the uh in the day two metagame i mean it was certainly played but the the metagame was really dominated yeah by I, I, ADP. yeah for sure for sure i mean there were there were a lot of other you know a lot of other decks up there at the at the top you know sent scorch um yeah let's just just take a second to mention sent scorch being an absolute flop yeah i got 30th um, which top placement yeah, I, I mean, and for the amount of players that played it, like you look at Picaram having less than the amount of players um, that Sense Scorch had in, in both day one and day two, and just absolutely uh, going ham in the finishes, <laughs> whereas Sense Scorch having, you know, somewhere around double the amount of players that Picaram had just had very abysmal finishes across the board. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I would attribute that a lot to. Um, just the consistency, the raw consistency of other decks. Whereas I've found Santa Scorch is really live or die, even more so than a deck like Mewtwo. Uh, Santa Scorch is really live or die by the Welder. And uh, the problem there is that you need Welder, like you need a lot of cards at very specific times. Whereas a deck like Mewtwo doesn't necessarily need that. 
um, you know, because your attacker in the Mewtwo deck is a basic as opposed to Scorch, where like you give them, you give the opponent that one turn to like really mess with your board position by gusting up the bench Scorch or something like that. Um, you know, there, there are just other Welder decks, primarily Mewtwo, uh, that perform better because of not needing as many cards in certain orders. Right. Um, well, I didn't say Scorch beyond did, that. And, like... and so... Oh, you can go ahead and finish your thought. No, 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 go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. I was going to say beyond that, um, Mewtwo can get a huge KO on an ADP or any number of things on turn yeah. two almost yeah. always. Um, whereas yeah. Centiscorch, it's not even guaranteed, even if you get a Volcanion off, uh, you know, that you'll do enough damage to KO something that's huge. So, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, what is the... What's the end game here? <laughs> what are you working towards? <laughs> I stand by. Yeah, I stand by for... what I said last week, where it's when you win with Sentiscorch, you blow them out of the water completely because you have like an invincible, yeah. infinite damage attacker. I yeah. think that's the reason that people got so attached to the deck. I really do. Yeah. And, and definitely, like, last week, I, I was really just confused. Like, I was hearing a lot of rumblings about, oh, Scorch could be good. You know, Scorch is good. Scorch is good. And and I just, my red flags were up. You know, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't ready to call it, I wasn't ready to call it horrible because there are some things that, you know, make it at least on paper seem, you know, like a decent, you know, workable deck. But um, then in practice, I mean, it, it very clearly showed that it was, uh, head and shoulders, I think, below a lot of other decks. I mean, there's, I mean, probably five decks that I would rather have played over Scorch. You know, you look at ADP, you look at Picaram, um, you know, Blacephalon had showings, Eternatus, I would I would absolutely 100% take Eternatus over um, Scorch. And, and actually, uh, the Vigable deck that I played and a lot of others uh, played, you know, had a good Scorch matchup. So at, at a certain point, you're looking at Scorch and like wondering what, makes it any good against the field yeah i mean when i think of, of decks i'd rather play than centiscorch i i think picaron mill vika volt mewtwo eternatus <laughs> placephalon yeah uh adp yeah. <laughs> uh am i missing anything yeah. there i think that's about everything uh, mad party bro i mean i would rather play mad party because it'd probably be a more entertaining <laughs> experience <laughs> honestly you know like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was one of the surprise finishers. Um, we see Safan getting 29th with a Mad Party list that I believe you know less than less than five people had in day two for sure. Mad Party, um, but yeah, going with a combo list. I was just about to bring that up. So uh, Stefan's list included the Jirachi Prism, Mister Mime from Detective Pikachu, and a couple copies of Primate Wisdom Orangaroo to just get that uh, Jirachi into the prizes, draw it off of an attack. Um, and yeah, it, it really worked well for him. Ended up getting a top 32 finish and uh, a very unique list using, Thunder Mountain. you know, mysterious <laughs> treasure using Thunder Mountain was the big card. Yeah. That, uh, uh, was really interesting. I looked at the list and I was saying, oh, okay. Um, where's the draw power? Cause he only has one Dedenne in the list. Like there's no Crobat, there's no, or, or Corio. It's just the one Dedenne. And it really feels like in this list, like he is trying actively trying not to play the Dedenne. Yeah. It's a very it's very much focused you know? on the uh yeah the Sinisty and the um Poltegeist and trying to draw as yeah. much with the trade ability that it has as pseudo trade. Trying to keep GXs off the board, keep V's off the board, have things able to be scoop up net 
I'll also say, like, a notable thing about his list is uh, he doesn't really have any movement options in his deck for those B and GX right. Pokemon. So, actually, the Dedenne right. becomes a huge liability once it hits the board. That's the reason he, hit, he played the Thunder Mountain. was because he could Twin Energy, Thunder Mountain, and... Just literally just scoop it off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... And, like, props to him for, like, finding that creative route to dealing with that problem. Because you also need a stadium in general in case they play, like, a Wonder Lab. Um, sure. So, uh, I mean, that list was so cool, man. I, I love that list, yep. to be honest. Uh, props to Stefan for coming up with another super interesting deck. Um, one for one on the top 32 there, so. I guess so. <laughs> so, very good. So, yeah, that's kind of the overview of the, uh, of the tournament. Now, uh, I did just want to bring up some of the praises and the criticisms that I had about the global championships. The first thing I just want to say is like, you know, I, I think it is, I mean, it's impossible to replicate anything like a real world championship. So I think for, for, in my opinion, you know, Henry brand is the current world champion um, until Pokemon has another sanctioned world championships, he will remain the world champion. I mean, certainly Isaiah put in, you know, a lot of time, a lot of hours to uh, get to the point that he got to. I, I'm not disputing that at all, but um, it's just not, for me, it's not the same. Uh, would you agree, Riley? Yeah, uh, and, and that was kind of a loaded question because he knew what my opinion was. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, the viewers didn't know what you yeah. I, I mean, on the whole, I and this isn't a slam against the Atlas folks or the Pog or, or anyone who says it, um, I don't think it's in great taste to call it like the unofficial world championship. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why that's the case. Um, but at the end of the day, like the world championships, the world championship, these online events don't really occupy that same space. Um, but that's, that's really beyond the point. I mean, there's there's certainly more to talk about. I think on the whole, it was a successful event. It did what it aimed yeah. to do. Got a lot of people yeah. out there and excited to play Pokemon. And that's all you can really ask for. I just, uh, I think it's a mistake for online tournaments to try and replicate what has already been. I think it would be, it's better for online tournaments as a whole to evolve into what you want them to be, right? Like try and make them into something great on their own merit, as opposed to, attach labels for what already exists and that we can't match you know like we're not sure. this isn't the world championships there's plenty of reasons why it's not um let's why do we have to make it at the world championships though like this is an awesome tournament in its own right um you know why give it why even give it the bane of comparison sure sure because obviously it's like a huge like uh, burden to live up to right yeah exactly call yourself the world championships and and that's fine i mean and, and it's not you know obviously there there are reasons that you would want to call yourself the, the sure. world championships right to, sure. to bring more prestige even if it's just in name alone so um you know certainly a, a very um uh a very inspiring effort that the organizers put on i think you saw it just people are hungry to play in online tournaments and, you know, there were over 1,200 people. And I think for like a first attempt, right? Because this was generally, um, as far as I know from the organizers, this was our first attempt at putting something together this big, you know, as opposed to the Limitless that has done it, I guess, four times. Um, this was this team of organizers first time, you know, doing something this big. And, and I think generally speaking, pulled it off. I, you know, overall, I don't want to like give this a rating, but I would say I was overall 
happy with how this tournament was ran, presented, um, you know, the professionalism of the staff and uh, and and also the the quality of the opponent that I played. I personally had just really great interactions with um, every single opponent that I played. You know, no bad sportsmanship, no um, kind of negativity. There was one interesting thing that they decided to do, and I, I don't know if this was um, uh, something that they just, you know, maybe couldn't fix in time, but um, one thing that I worried going into the tournament was that the reporting system for wins and losses, and uh, they opted to go with a loser reports that they lost kind of system. So normally you would think like, okay, the, the winner would report the score because they have a uh, an incentive to report the score, right? Whereas the loser might actually have an incentive to give the incorrect score, right? They might be salty or they might, you know, just not think that they were beaten by a better player or, you know, the, the number of reasons that a player who lost might report that they actually won, you know, seems very high. So they, they made well, that, that, that would change. actually be a, a demerit to winner reports because then you would report yourself as the winner. Just pointing that out. I guess you're right. But I, but I think the I, guess incentive, the I think there's a lack of incentive to report that you lost is more so like the, yes yes the yes there's a lack of incentive to report that you lost sure because you could only report loss you couldn't report that your opponent won right um, or you couldn't report that you won in any case um, yeah it was just really interesting to think that you know and I was a little worried about that because I was thinking like okay well what if my opponent just doesn't report kind of out of spite right because if we don't report in time then we would both get a game loss and so maybe they think that I didn't deserve the win and they would just not report and then there would be this whole issue and um, thankfully that wasn't the case you know I didn't run into that whether or not that was just because you know I played some um, you know people that would have known about the stream or um, whatnot but or they're just good sports. You know, I, I didn't play against anyone that I had any type of issue with. And, and that's really, I think speaks to the quality of the, the uh, community. We just have a really great community here in Pokemon. And, and I think that's something that I'm, I'm really proud of when I bring this game up to people that are interested in it and uh, people that are just getting into it and just like how good the community is. I think that was one thing that was on display. Um, uh, one thing that I didn't like was and they solved this problem in day two, uh, but with just the time between rounds. In day one, there was an absurd amount of time between rounds, and again, not like a criticism. And I understand that there could have been a lot of variables you're dealing with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, but the rounds took almost double uh, the amount of time that they were supposed to take. And again, I don't know what that really means was it everybody reported at the same time um did they have to like do things manually i don't believe so but um you know again i'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt but that was the biggest criticism from day one for me is that the rounds just took way too long and they actually advertised that we would be done at about five o'clock um eastern time started started about noon and ended about five well we started an hour late and then we ended around nine or 10, depending on if you went to the final round of competition. So yeah. that was a little bit of a drawback. I think um, for if anyone's listening to this and they want to, you know, start their own tournament or they're involved in a big, big, you know, large form community style tournament like this, I just wouldn't advertise uh, uh, time limits. You know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't give anyone an expectation of, yeah, you'll be done by this time. Because I think there are just a lot of problems that 
inherently arise when you're trying to put on an event like this. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Like just not even bothering to advertise with the time limit. Yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. be done. I mean, it'll be s- done when the when the rounds are done. Yeah, it'll be done when it's done. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's actually a valid point. Um, you know, I I do want to on the flip side give props to the to the Pog folks for developing a lot of interesting Discord tools. Um, like creating a, a cool bot system that can track all this stuff. Um, you know, wherever the bottleneck was in day one, you know, I, I think it was at least a valuable endeavor in terms of like making these interesting mechanisms to make the tournament run more smoothly on the whole. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of what, uh, what happened in day one was that, um, you know, probably everybody was reporting at the end of the time. Whereas in day two, you know, you had a higher caliber overall of players and then um, you had a longer time to report, you know, because there would be matches that would be done very quickly and, you know, that could get input into the system earlier. And yeah. so, um, you know, certainly there are just some inherent differences between what is being reported day one and day two. But overall, good tournament. I was very happy with how it ran. I was very happy to have participated. I was very happy that it was offered. Yeah, so I actually have a question for you. Having having been in both day one and day two of the online global championship, uh, do you think uh, in the online landscape specifically that it is better to do best of one or best of three? Because the, the different days had uh, different styles to them. Did, did you yeah. find that best of one was, was more suited? Did you think best of three still was like a better way to go about it? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, best of three felt fine to me. Um, again, I think you could probably get away with, since the online format is just really um, quick and efficient in certain ways in terms of like, you know, uh, shuffling or, or restarting a match. Um, you know, you can get away with a lesser amount of time. I think for for um, for that, like, you, I think you could reasonably go down to like forty five minutes best of three in an online format, and then that's not. Um, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think we've seen that yet from any online tournament, but it's certainly something that people could try. Whereas like you have that kind of pressure that you would in a, uh, in a, in an in-person setting to, you know, scoop a game early if you're getting down, but you do have enough time, I think in an online setting to finish three games in about 45 or 50 minutes, as opposed to the hour that we normally get in an online, in an in-person tournament. Um, yeah. So, so ideally, uh, best of one would suffice just playing extra rounds. I didn't mind that for the first day of competition because you were just trying to get to a goal <clears throat> as opposed to having like the best, you know, ratio of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. So they, they play, I mean, they definitely felt like two different tournaments um, in that sense where like day one, you're just trying to, you know, get to seven wins and you're done. And then day two, you're trying to be, have as many wins as you possibly can. So I think they both worked fine and they were just used for different purposes. Yeah. I'm not sure. I quite agree with the, the verbiage there, but I agree with the, the you don't sentiment. Think so? I agree with the sentiment behind the words. <laughs> well, what, what don't you agree with? I'm curious. Uh, just the way you phrased it was a little off to me, but I, I agree with what you mean. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you basically said you're trying to get to as many wins as possible twice. Well, Okay. Okay, how do, how can I rephrase that so that people don't think I'm an idiot? Um, you're just—it's just a race. I, There's—I don't know if there's a great way to. But I, know I don't what know you if mean. there's a great. It's like uh, it's like getting, it's like getting just wins on the board 
so you can get the the benchmark versus trying to stand out as objectively the best i think is like yeah 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 i mean like misplays don't matter as much in day one as they do in day two because well, your record say, overall your record overall in day one doesn't matter yeah as long as you get uh, as long as you get to seven wins so you could be seven and oh and that'd be just as good as seven and four um or seven and three or whatever it was 10 rounds i guess and then as opposed to day two where like you know you can't really you want that loss. good ratio yeah. and the so misplays like could having, cost you yeah having the best of three would be more valuable i guess yeah. i mean uh, it's like a ratio versus the the final count i think that's like what you're going for yeah yeah cool yeah, I think on, on the whole, I'm excited to see how these online championships continue. I really can't foresee anywhere in the immediate future any in-person events, especially, as we said before, in the United States, where uh, especially in the wake of colleges opening and bringing back students, like, we, we got a ways to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. But I do want to take this time to plug uh, that we are working on adding more to the online landscape. Um, I've been in talks with uh, Andrew Mahone and uh, Full Grip and, and Riley uh, about producing some type of um, uh, tournament for for people that want to play because there clearly is a lot of interest in doing this online uh, format and, and participating. And so look for that in the coming days. Um, something that you know the the you know another community outlet for Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about that. I think more than we intended to. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> cool. Well, there's one last thing I wanted to talk to before we wrapped up season two of Tag Team, and that is post-rotation. So we've we've hit the edge. Tomorrow, I believe, is the day of rotation on TCGO. So yep. I just want to get a quick firing off <laughs> of thoughts about rotation. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's structure it a little bit so what's your favorite thing about rotation your least favorite thing and your number one deck choice after rotation what's my favorite thing yeah your favorite maybe favorite thing that's leaving yeah uh, probably and we were just talking about how like intricate stall was but <laughs> probably just not i mean just saying goodbye to our Anguru and um what that does mean for alternate win condition archetypes because i think for the better part of of two years, you know, Oranguru was the kind of mainstay in a lot of these stall, um, mill archetypes, these alternate wind condition archetypes. And so to see that leave the, uh, the format is kind of, you know, I, I'm not one to be, you know, very antagonistic about alternate wind conditions. I think they're very healthy for the game, especially when they are as high skill as we've, you know, seen. Um, but again, just to see it leave is, is very nice. I, I think that card, a, a broken, I think Oranger is a broken card. <laughs> <laughs> what about the thing you hate the most to see go? Thing I hate to see go is probably, probably Thunder Mountain. Um, I do like the lightning support and um, I do think, you know, lightning doesn't maintain its, it's it's prominent place in the metagame post rotation. I think it does occupy some place. Um, I'm excited to figure out what that is, but um, you know the loss of Thunder Mountain and, and E Power um, just really feel like a 
a, a big loss. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed playing lightning decks since <laughs> since those cards have been out. So it'll be it'll be sad to see them go. And then how about your current choice post rotation? Current choice? Well, uh, we were talking about lightning decks, but I really have been excited to have Intellion rise to the forefront. Um, yeah, I was I was just saying how much I will miss lightning decks, but at the same time, their absence. <laughs> Intellion doesn't means... miss them at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to uh, to Intellion. I, that was a deck that last format, you know, or I guess this current format, if we're talking, uh, you know, pre rotation, I enjoyed playing. It was probably my like meme or rogue deck of choice, and um, <laughs> I just really like putting a lot of time into it because I like the snipe, I like the energy removal or denial, and uh, it just felt really fun to me. And and so now with Lightning getting a little bit of a nerf, it should be able to compete. You know, it's it's had its biggest enemies kind of taken out, so should be cool. Taken out is an interesting way of phrasing that. From the <laughs> knees, bro. Yeah. Just like take a big billy club and just. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Intellion. Honestly, as a Pokemon, Intellion got too much flack. Intellion is a cool Pokemon. Little sniper okay. guy. He's a little sniper, man. That's sick. I mean, it's kind of. I don't know if if it if it's really in good taste right now but i maybe not i I don't know you don't have to think of it like that (laughs) well i mean it's okay and i digress i digress (laughs) so well what about you riley what what are what are the uh the answers for you for those questions it's funny because my answers are probably just like the reverse of what you said um (laughs) 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 i'm sick of lightning support i think it's awful i i don't think it was very good card design um, not that Oranguru is good card design, um, but I hate how much it pigeonholed the lightning decks. I hate how much it oppressed anything that was weak to lightning because you yeah. weren't just, you were weak to lightning like times a billion because of Electro Power. <laughs> you know, like they played two Electro Powers, it's an extra 120 damage. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you were weak to lightning, you could just be like rammed by some random like Pikachu and just die. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i didn't like that um i thought thunder mountain was kind of a silly card um yeah i think one of like coco or thunder mountain is fine but having them both at once really just ramped decks up beyond what i thought was reasonable uh, appropriate <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, sure sure but i i am sad actually to see your angry go um okay and it's not just because of Mildex. I thought it was like a very skill intensive card. I uh, put a lot of, it was a very thought provoking card. I uh, had a lot of interesting like uses and I, I just, there's not like an immediate niche for alternate win context, especially with Belova also rotating or yeah. I guess being banned. Um, yeah. Pseudo rotating. Um, so I, I just don't know what like the future of alternate win conditions are. And I agree with you that like having some sort of alternate condition is healthy. Um, and it forces you to be like thoughtful about how you're building decks and what you're going to play against, as opposed yeah. to just thinking about like tight matchups and um, like bashing your skulls in against another V max. Yeah. Doing a lot of damage yeah. with and, the right type. And yeah. I've expressed a lot recently that i i am not really a big fan of having these gigantic vmax pokemon just use these relatively vanilla attacks against each other over and over until one of them dies um 
And so I, I feel like it's uh, kind of unfortunate that we're basically nixing off all of the support for alternate win conditions. Yeah, um, sure. So, and sure. I don't know if I'm more sad about Orangu directly as much as I am just like, there doesn't seem like a, there's not like a route, you know, there's no, there's no wacky smacky as far as I can tell right now. And that, that didn't play Orangu. It was just a stall deck. Um, right. So. Yeah. I mean, you look at Decidueye being kind of the torchbearer for kind of stall, but, but not really. uh, like that, that, that has to itself... prizes, you know, has to put offensive yeah. pressure. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, you, you look at that as being like, okay, that's the future, but like the future is not very bright for that kind of deck. <laughs> yeah. And let alone the fact that the drive probably isn't a great deck anyway. Let alone the fact that, yeah, people <laughs> still enjoy Scorch for some reason. So you're going to just get bodied by the Vulcanians. Right. Yeah. So. Like I just, I don't want to be caught in the situation where I feel like I just have to choose ADP or my favorite colored VMAX. Um, yeah and i feel like that's the situation the game is getting pigeonholed down and i'm not really it's not like making me so overtly upset that i'm not like excited to play the game but it's just like it's less exciting to me than if there were yeah, more it's, it's certainly very it's certainly going to be very noticeable yeah I think, and i think the other card that i'll miss the most is fiery flint because i really like david cephalon and that's fair deck, enough that deck was not very skillful um you know there was a there's like some like sequencing with it yeah but like compared to like mill you know it was a yeah or like stall i guess more appropriately it was the more skillful of the two but right um, you know even then like it was just a fun <laughs> i really liked david the cephalon especially towards the end of the format i yeah. just ran david the cephalon at the wall and i i loved it it's so fun yeah. um and it's still around but it loses one of its most important i would argue tools in fiery flint sure. and i don't know if there's immediate replacement that fills that niche very well um so just uh, another thing I'm, I'm sad to see you go, you know. What are What's the archetype that you're most excited to play? That I'm most excited to play? Uh, just like I've mentioned the past couple of weeks, my favorite colored VMAX, which is uh, Eternatus. Um, I really like the dark type Pokemon. I always have. I'm, yeah. I'm that guy. <laughs> you're that guy. Yep. I, I, play, I started off the game playing uh, Dark Ray Hypno that evolved into Turbo Dark slash Dark Dragons. Then I've played Zorark. You uh, played Darkrai Hypno was your first deck? Yeah, it was the first deck I ever built. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that I remember was sick. When that was, yeah, <laughs> I remember that when that deck was like, people were like, oh man, this could actually be good. You know, got to get your Hypnos. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe that was the first one. Yeah, that deck was wow. sick. <laughs> wow, that really dates you. I, I didn't, you're such a youngster. I am a youngster. Uh, but, you know, throughout my entire history, I went from. Dark Hypno to Turbo Dark slash Dark Dragons to Zorark. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the dark now the darkness has you're, returned. I even played, I even pushed for Dark Box like harder than I probably should have to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I am personally excited for Eternatus. It is a dark type Pokemon, which is sick. It is got a big old bench, which is sick. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, that's really my two criteria that's funny that's really funny wow dark right hypno well as a time rally let's open it up to the floor here uh dan had something that he wanted to bring up about the dan battle so count the money and i had a dan battle which is something i advertise over on my twitch channel and um 
Dan, it's where we play as many Dan's as we possibly can. And it's really just rock, paper, scissors through the lens of Pokemon TCGO. And uh, Dan crushed me. Count of Money just absolutely obliterated. I was, I was, I swore that he was like looking at my screen, but I, I he didn't, he didn't. Full there's disclosure, also a slight delay, like inherently. Sure. Yeah. There's a slight delay. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think he was doing it because a lot of the times when I would press my choice, like it would be immediately responded to, but uh, it was just absurd. I went like six and 12 or like five and 13 or something or just ridiculously low. I have been known to be kind of a legend in well, rock, paper, yeah, scissors. I was going to talk about our, our Christmas RPS battle. Uh, I think you, it was like best of 21. And I think you beat me. Uh, it was like 11 to seven or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like fairly, fairly handily. Yeah. Yeah. That's a substantial lead. And yeah. I consider myself to be good at RPS, so that only speaks to your your strength of character and and power. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, <laughs> Dan just like destroyed me, and I uh, I'm I'm not that salty, but I'm a little salty. I'm wondering if your power somewhat lies in like a real world landscape where you can you can have like your eyes digging into them. Right, 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 right. You can read the opponent maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You have like that the, could be the showering gun from Naruto and like you're reading the <laughs> movements before they happen. <laughs> yeah, that could definitely be true. That could definitely be true. And I, maybe it's just like the hype that I need. Like I need an audience. You know, it just doesn't feel the same when I'm doing it over a computer screen. Yeah. You know, with no one around me. <laughs> Should we do like a quick virtual RPS battle? Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Wait, you just waited so long. <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't see what you had. Okay. Wait, but I heard a delay. Shoot. We're throwing on. Okay, shoot. I heard. Okay, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, I cut your paper, bro. Oh dang. Uh, scissors beats paper. Right, well, Riley's one zero in the tag team championship for RPS. I've I've lost my touch. <laughs> That's sick. Very sick. <laughs> Fire Flame Zero in chat asking if I'm keeping my post-pandemic hair. Uh, probably, yeah. I kind of like it a little bit longer. Um, I want to dye it. That's my next adventure is dyeing my oh, hair. Okay. Uh, you should dye, my you should dye the bun. You should dye just the bun. Just the bun. We've <laughs> talked about doing like a lemon juice type thing. Lemon yeah, juice like and sun. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have like dirty blonde hair. Yeah, that'd be sick. But... Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> feel it so well riley we are coming to the end of our second season yeah come a long way that we have we have a lot of uh exciting things in store uh for the next season gonna be changing it up a little bit not too much uh but a little bit gonna be adding some things um changing up the look a little bit so um yeah, just stay tuned. It, it, it should be great. If you're listening to us on you know, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure to leave us a review. That's really helpful for other people to find us. So if you like the podcast and you think someone else would like the podcast, just let us know you know leave that review and uh, help us get the exposure that we need yeah absolutely so we appreciate you all 
We love you as always. Thank you for the support through the first two seasons. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. See ya.